Welcome to the Sharing Life Ministries Sermon of the Week. We hope that you were blessed by this message from Pastor Lawrence Romali. Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time, this opportunity just to be in your presence. Lord, you are so, so good to us. Lord, let us not just give you lip service, but truly lay down all our burdens, all our hurts, all our wounds. Let us truly praise you. Let us truly make you Lord. We thank you. We bless you. Lord, your word says that while we were yet sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. That's amazing. So, Lord, we thank you for that. Let our lives reflect that truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Kim. As uh, Pastor Susan is away visiting family for a couple days, and she'll be home this afternoon, um, Kim was gracious to come and lead us in worship, and we appreciate that very much. <clears throat> I'm going to need a volunteer in a little bit. So if you're brave enough to come up and be my volunteer, uh, think about that. AJ already volunteered. Wow, AJ already volunteered. Dave, apparently AJ doesn't know what happens when you volunteer in one of my messages. But <laughs> um, just to, to uh, as a reminder, if you miss a message or you want to listen again, they are on podcast. They're on Facebook Podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the regular podcast platforms that you might listen to. Um, so I encourage you to listen again if you want to. Uh, and there are people um, around the world that listen. I don't know how they find us, but they have. And so if you listen and you're from somewhere, we have people that are in Europe that listen. Um, leave, leave a review. And tell us how you found us. We would just like to know. And we can then pray for you. But we just appreciate that the body of Christ is so much bigger than we realize. It's, it's just vast. And, um, and so that's exciting. God's been laying this week's message and next week's message on my heart for a while. And especially like over the last month. And I've been trying to formulate and put together and, and God gives me pieces and I put them together. Sometimes he just gives me the whole thing. Sometimes it's a process. And so it's coming at this time and it's, it's relevant. So it's not done at this time because of where we are at this time, but God knew. God knows. So I want to ask you a question. Think about it. Who are you? Who are you? How are you identified? By your name? Where you live? What you do? If, if you were stopped for a traffic violation, the police officer would ask for, identification. 
Typically, it's your driver's license or a similar government ID. You might be asked somewhere to produce your passport. Who are you? The government IDs, it has your name, your date of birth, your address, a picture. And you need your ID for all kinds of things. But yet it really doesn't speak to who you are. And even though that ID is incomplete, it's really hard to change. When I moved here, I had a hard time changing my license and opening a bank account. Because the bank wanted a license and the licensing agency wanted a bank account. Well, someone has to be first, right? And so it was really difficult. And I had to get all kinds of stuff. Um, and they wanted, well, it wasn't fun. Pastor Susan had to go through all the work of, of changing her name, her address, her passport on all kinds of stuff when we got married. And because of COVID, offices weren't open. It was difficult. And yet it doesn't really speak to who you are. And if it's that difficult to change something that's just on a piece of paper, imagine your identity, your true identity, how hard it is to make changes to it. Perhaps for some of you, you're identified by your family line. Oh, you're so-and-so's kid. Oh, you're so-and-so's brother. <laughs> right? In school. Things like that. When a teacher, you know, you get, you get to whatever grade, and teacher goes, oh, I had your brother. Like, that's usually not good. <laughs> Certain life events affect our identity. Adoption, marriage, divorce, death of a parent or a spouse. We call these things or we, we identify the, by these things, but they really don't identify us very well. Our true identity is so much deeper our true identity hinges on our relationship with Jesus Christ. And in fact, think about it. The whole world is divided, divided by whether they are submitted to Jesus as Lord or they're living in rebellion. The whole world Our true identity determines not only how we will spend eternity, but how we will spend this life. When we look at scripture, we see who we were without Christ, who we are with him. We see words that speak about our identity in him. It's an identity that it's new to us, but not new to God. Think about that. He has known before the beginning of time exactly who we would be and what we would 
become, what we would look like, everything that we would go through, all the stuff that we kind of go, hmm. He knew. And often it's an identity that we have to grow into because we forget. We remember who we were, not who we are. We remember who people say we are or were and not who God says we are. God sees us in the light of eternity as though we are fully mature and complete. It's because God's focus is on our spirit man, not on our flesh. We tend to focus on our flesh because that's what we can see. It's what hurts. And it's what feels good or comforted, our flesh. We are easily encouraged by our victories and easily discouraged by our defeats. And we kind of go through life like this. And yet God sees us up here. We live with a very short-term outlook. So the best place for us to look, if we want to explain, examine, explore who we are, is in the beginning. In Genesis, the creation account. And in Genesis 1.26, we read this. God said, let us, us, Father, Son, Spirit, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the, creature, all the creatures that move along the ground. Let us. Make mankind in our image. We're made in the image of God. We could sit and explore all the implications of this passage for a long time. But today, just think about what that means and what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we're gods. It doesn't mean that we're equal to God. What it does mean is that we are like God. We have some of the same attributes. We're creative. We have emotions. We're called to lead and rule over creation. We have a moral conscience, and we know right and wrong. We're called to love as God is love. And we have the fruit of God's, of his spirit, God's spirit, as found in Galatians 5, love, joy, Peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're created in his image. We're created for eternity rather than this life. This life is short. And sometimes we get so focused we don't realize how short this life is and how long eternity is. We're created for eternity. We're to live this life in anticipation and preparation for the life to come. Sadly, we often go through this life held back by our misconceptions, living 
wounded, bound by our struggles. We live a life that's weak and ineffective. Why? Because I'm focused on me rather than him. Get that? I focus on me rather than him. I live listening to and believing the lies of the enemy rather than believing the truth of God as found in his word. And those lies, they can come from other people, but more often, they come from myself. They come from myself. I live a life untransformed rather than living a life transformed. I live in opposition to what God has declared about me rather than in the truth of what he's declared about who I am. Having such a low view of ourselves is not humility. It's actually a form of pride. Pride in that our focus is on us rather than God. We believe ourselves rather than believing God, and out of that we perceive God as working against us rather than working for us. We see every obstacle, every difficulty, every trial as God beating us down, tripping us up, coming against us. We shake our fist at him. We judge him. We reject him and reject his goodness. I've done that. What are you doing? People that hate you are doing well, and I'm struggling. Where does this come from? Where does this idea, this mentality come from? Well, oftentimes it comes from believing a false gospel. A gospel that says that if you ask Jesus into your heart, all will go well with you. Yep, then just smooth sailing. None of us have experienced that. But it keeps being taught, and it's attractive, but it's a lie. We're promised a better life, but that is not in God's word. In James chapter 1, verses 2 and 4, we read this. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Joy. Joy when we endure trials. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Joy. That's what he says. Consider it joy. Why? Not for the trial, but because of the fruit of the trial. God provides trials for our good. And we're also taught many times that every trial, well, that's Satan. No. Sometimes God says, I need to do this work in you. 
And we're praying it away rather than allowing it to do its work. To shape us and mold us. We tend to think that we are just fine just the way we are. But God created us to look like Jesus. Not to be better than that person or me. He says, I've created you to look like my son. If that were an easy process, everyone would be doing it. But it's not. Testing produces perseverance. Perseverance is a, faith, a faithful continuing of our walk to the end so that we're found mature and complete. Hear that again. It's a faithful continuing our walk to the end so that we are found mature and complete. It would be nice to be able to be mature and complete now. But it happens at the end. God will work in our lives and mold us and shape us and change us and sanctify us until the end. And then it's over. And he finishes the rest of the work. Boom. And it's done. James goes on in verse 12. Blessed is the one who perseveres, where well, here's that word again, perseveres, under trial, having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those that love him. Perseverance, endurance, walking that walk, enduring the trials, the difficulties, Receiving them as something that, whether it's initiated by people or Satan or God or whoever, it's something that he will use to change you. So, Lord, show me what you're doing. Show me what you're doing. Life is like going to school. We progress grade after grade after grade. I don't know about you. I don't want to repeat a grade. All right, that, that trial, that, that time was really, really difficult. I don't ever want to do it again. But thank you, Lord. I want to learn all that you have for me out of that. I never want us to do that again. So God allows trials, difficulties to bless us. He's working to make us who we truly are. And when we know who we are, we can walk in that rather than walking in who we were. I was very guilty of that and had to do some hard work, and Pastor Susan helped me with that. Truly, one of the first weekends uh, after I had met her, I spent about four hours telling her everything that was wrong with me and all the reasons she didn't want to have a relationship with me. No, no, yeah, she wasn't listening, Dave. She had, she had her earphones in. <laughs> but she said, I don't see those things. And you need to quit speaking death over yourself. I was like, really? 
And it made me reassess who I am. Am I walking in my failings and my shortcomings and my difficulties and my past? Or am I walking in the truth of what God has done in my life? Which is it? And it was a wake-up call for me. So, AJ, come on up. You can stand right over here. There you go. You get Mike. Yep. Okay, so I have several rocks here. I'm going to test your geology knowledge. I skipped that class. You skipped that class. Well, okay, so do you know what that is? This is coal. It's a piece of coal. Good job. You got one right. I was with you when you got it. You were with me when we got it. Oh, AJ. Okay, don't, you know, don't say that. Okay, so do you know what it's made of, what it's composed of? Uh, it can make a diamond, but well, it don't comes go from ahead. the earth. AJ, you're blowing my whole message. <laughs> okay, keep, keep the mic up. Okay, so it is composed of carbon. Carbon. So how would you describe that? Black, light, hard. Okay. What's it good for? Um, it's a fossil fuel, so you can burn it. You can burn it. Create heat. Anything else? Um, again, if you press it, it makes a diamond. Okay. Not necessarily, but kind of. How valuable is it? I, I guess it can be very. I mean, it depends on who wants to use it. Okay. So it has some value, but it's not, like, precious. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Santa uses it all the time. I'm sorry. So here's a, mount, here's a mountaineer man. What's he made of? Uh, coal as well. Coal. It's a dressed-up piece of coal. Yes, sir. But it's still coal. And its value is somewhat limited. You can put the chunk down. You're making me nervous. <laughs> I'm not Kane. <laughs> okay. Do you know what that is? I'm going to guess and say granite, but I have no idea. That is a raw diamond. Oh. It's a raw diamond that's found in the ground. Do you know what element, and you said it, kind of, what element that's made of? Coal. Carbon. 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 Yeah. So how would you describe that? Uh, itty bitty. It's tiny. <laughs> sure. What's it good for? Uh, it's the hardest stone there is, so therefore nothing can damage it. There you go. Is this hard? Yes, but nothing like this. Right. Right. And it's good for jewelry, for cutting, for etching, for drilling, for polishing. How valuable is it? I don't know about this piece specifically, but it's pretty valuable. Right. Which would be more valuable, the big chunk of coal or the small diamond? This right here. Right. Do you know what the difference is between the two? 
Uh, they're different because they, they're just one's tougher than the other. So it's persevered longer. Okay. Extreme heat and pressure. It's the same element. They're chemically identical, but physically, physically, diamond molecules are stacked neatly into uniform lattices, which is why they're so hard and clear. Coal mo molecules, by comparison, are randomly stacked, which gives coal its dark color and allows it to burn and can be easily broken into smaller pieces. We know what a diamond looks like. This is a piece of plastic. Otherwise, it wouldn't be here. <laughs> this diamond from this little piece of raw rock, how does it get from that piece of raw rock that really doesn't look like much to this or this. How does it get from the raw rock to that finished rock? Oh, you're asking me. I am. Um, it, you got to mine it first. So okay. You got to actually search for it. So this is mined. And now to take that being mined and into a rock. You polish it. You um, polish it. Yeah. And you cut it. That's still that. Right. Yeah. Thanks, AJ. You're welcome. Good job. Even though you cheated. Okay. So, this piece of coal really isn't worth much. The diamond, valuable and precious, made it the same things, same elements. If I gave Susan, mounted this on a piece of metal and said, here you go. It's just carbon. It's the same thing. That wouldn't go over well, would it? No. No. <laughs> so there's something about what made it precious, what transformed it. Heat, extreme pressure, trials. What changes us? What changes us from something that's common to something that's precious? Difficulty. Pressure. Trials. Think about that. It transforms. When it talked about the molecular structure of that diamond, which I don't fully understand, but that carbon goes from being random to being stacked, compact. It doesn't just happen. So the pressure, the heat. Now think about you and all the millions of people that there are of how you are chosen by Christ, 
how he picked you up when you were a plain old piece of coal. And through pressure and heat and trials and troubles and consequences and even injustices, he transformed you into something special. He rearranged you. Your DNA is different. Your mind is changed. Everything about you is changed. He says you're a new creation. There's nothing common about you. As he rearranged you, you're no longer disorganized and easily fractured. But you're remade, compact, and strong. And now you refract light. This piece of coal absorbs light. But a diamond refracts light. And to refract, it means the light is fractured and scattered when it hits you. In diamond talk, this is referred to as brilliance. So, it's the um, sparkle that you see when you look at a diamond under bright light. Brilliance. And here's the really great part. As God has looked at you, he has always seen you this way. Always. He sees you as you were created to be and is working in your life to make you as he sees you. All the stuff, all the difficulties that we complain about, that we whine about, it's all part of the process to taking you from a chunk of coal into the brilliant diamond that he created you to be in the way he sees that you are. In Isaiah chapter 48, God tells Israel, his chosen people, that he's sending them into captivity to refine them. Says, see, I have refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. Thanks, Lord. It's hard to say thank you in that. Testing, refining. He tests us in the furnace of affliction for his name's sake. This stuff. The stuff that's not of God burns away. What is of him is refined. Jesus suffered. Jesus endured. We will suffer. We have to endure as well. In Philippians 1.29, we read this. For has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Did you realize you signed up for that? They didn't mention that at the altar call, did they? We stop at the believe in him, but also to suffer for him. 
to endure trials, trouble, even injustices. That's not fair. That's not right. I didn't do that. God's using it to mold you and shape you and grow you so that you look like him. So thank you, Lord. I don't know what you're doing. I'd appreciate if you showed me. Thank you. Thank you. Use it. This doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good. People look at me and go, like, you must be doing something wrong. You must be sinning. No, God's refining me. I'm going to sparkle. It's really hard to say. But if we can have that mindset of God's goodness and that he's working in us, and sometimes the affliction we endure comes through strangers, sometimes it comes from friends, sometimes it comes from family. And I'm not saying stay in an abusive situation, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm encouraging you to cry out to God and seek what he wants you to learn from your time of hardship. Don't be so quick to strike back at the person that hurt you, to lash out. Have compassion upon the one that hurt you. Their attack might not even be about you. You were just conveniently there. And perhaps you were put there by God to minister love and compassion and empathy and healing. And so the person that is hurting hurts. And we hurt them right back. And God said, I brought you there so that you could help that person. To love them. And grow through it. We're so quick to lash out and attack back. Extreme heat and pressure produces a diamond. Then it's cut and it's polished. It's a long process. Polishing produces such heat that you cannot touch the diamond. God's refining us. Heat, pressure, cutting, Polishing. We're surprised by this because of our bad theology. We misunderstand who God is. The current trend is to see God as a big, lovable dad who can't wait to give good gifts to his children. It's all over in the songs we listen to. Lots of stuff we read. Yep. God's sitting in his recliner and we jump on his lap and snuggle up and he's like, it's okay. I love you even though you're rebelling against me. It's okay. And there's a piece of that that's true. But God is so much more than that. So 
much more than what our little minds can comprehend. God's ways, they are so much higher than our ways. We can't understand it. So really, Lord, that broken relationship, really that false accusation, really that, that person who took credit for what I did in the, my job and then got the promotion that I was supposed to have and, and that's not fair and you were using that? Yes, I'm using that. He uses it to grow us and shape us and make us like him. Trust. Trust that God's bringing us to maturity. Trust. I look back at things that I've experienced and the difficulties and all the times I was like, what are you doing? And we get all our friends together and everyone's praying and who are we praying against? God. Why aren't my prayers being answered? Because I'm doing this work in you to change you. We don't like that. I'm doing this work in you to change you and you're praying thinking that it's harming you. And it's not there to harm you. It's there to help you and to grow you. And so when you persevere through it, you grow. And there's a reward. There's a reward afterwards. Romans 8, 28 and 30, we read this. And we know that in all things, all, right? That word means all. In all things, God works for the good of those who love him. All things, God works. So in the good stuff, in the bad stuff, in the injustices, in the wounds, in the hurts, in the victories, in the defeats, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. His purpose. Not my purpose. Not your purpose. His purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed, changed into the image of his son, that he might be the first, firstborn among many brothers and sisters, many brothers and sisters, that's us. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. God's heart is that when we get to eternity and we all stand together, everyone's going to say, wow, you look just like Jesus. You look just like Jesus. You look, we all look just like our brother. You guys all look alike. You ever see those families where all the kids look alike? Remember I used to live near this family and they had eight girls. They kept trying for a boy. And um, 
These kids had these little blonde bowl haircuts and their mom made their clothes and they all wore exactly the same clothes and there they were, boom, 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 boom. Going down the sidewalk, walking to church in the morning. They all looked identical, just in different sizes. That's what God wants for us. Wow, you look just like your brother. Jesus has scars. Jesus has, was hurt and rejected and wounded by people. We're going to be too. Lord, what do you want me to learn? Sometimes you want to look so badly that while Jesus was being nailed to the cross, he said, you're going to regret this. But he didn't. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. And how often we're hurting, being hurt by somebody, being persecuted by somebody, and we say, you're going to regret this. I'm going to lash back at you. You think you hurt me? I can hurt you worse than you hurt me. And what does that accomplish? Nothing. But do we have the heart to look like our brother Jesus and say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. All things, all things, all, all things work for the good of those who love him. Conforms us into the likeness of the Son. Precious. Precious. And rare. Diamonds are rare. Coal isn't. I love watching the trains that pass through Cumberland. Almost every day, a long train of cars of coal comes through Cumberland. Car after car after car. Sometimes when we're out for a walk, we'll be walking and there it's going and I'll stand on the bridge and just watch and it just keeps coming. Coal cars. Car after car after car. The coal is just dumped into those cars. No care is taken. It's ordinary. And if a couple of chunks fall out and fall on the ground, nobody's running over to scoop it up and make sure it gets into the car. It's not that valuable. It's ordinary. But diamonds... But diamonds, you are not going to see diamonds looking over a railroad bridge at a car going by. Heaped with diamonds. Doesn't happen. To see a diamond, you have to go to a jewelry store. They're not just dumped in a box. They're carefully handed, handled and protected and kept in a locked case. They're treasured. They're valuable. Because they're precious and they're rare. That's us. That's us. And think about this. You may see yourself as a chunk of coal. Ordinary, perhaps worthless or worth little. You may see others that way as well. 
Think about that. Brothers and sisters in Christ who are special and precious, but you have no regard for them because they've hurt you or they've somehow disappointed you or fallen short. Ask God, ask God for his eyes for those who are around you, especially those who have hurt you, especially those who have disappointed you. Lord, give me your eyes for that person and entreat them accordingly. And then as for you, live like you're a diamond. Live like you're a diamond. Live who God has created you to be and how he sees you. Let your sparkle and your brilliance glorify God. It's hard to do. It's uncommon, even in the body of Christ. Because we don't know who we are. And we spend more time resisting God than we do cooperating with God in the work that he's doing in us. And so it takes longer. So it takes longer. In fact, few people become all that God desires them to be. Few people, I believe that. Why is it? Because our biggest enemy to going from here to here is our emotions. They lie to us. They break relationships. They want to rule our lives. We're going to talk about emotions next week. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful that you don't see us in the way that we see us. And you don't even see us as we might actually be at this point in time with our faults, with our weaknesses. You see us as brilliant, precious, valuable, and rare gems. Your children, your sons, your daughters. Lord, help us to walk in obedience. Help us to walk in gratitude, in perseverance, enduring the trials, enduring the injustices, the difficulties, so that we can be transformed into the likeness of your Son. And Lord, as you do that work, let your Spirit come and grow in us the perseverance that we need. Lord, you give us everything that we need to please you and glorify you. So Lord, we ask you for more. Give us perseverance. Increase our faith. Increase our joy, even in the midst of difficulty. And Lord, we give you all glory, honor, and praise. For someday we will stand in front of your mirror and see ourselves as you have always seen us. And it will be amazing. Let us walk in that truth. In Jesus' name, by the power of his spirit, amen. Thank you for listening. Sharing Life Ministries is located at the Life Center, 48 West 2nd Avenue, 
Ridgely, West Virginia, or follow us on Facebook at